Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the state of California. Good afternoon. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of the state of California, along with Patty Rising and Brett Burkhart. Some pivotal congressional races still too close to call in California. But the biggest winner on election night was Proposition 1, the abortion rights amendment that got more votes than any of the statewide candidates. There are literally still millions of ballots left to count across the state, so it could be days before we know who the new, new mayors will be in Los Angeles, Oakland, and San Jose, and which party, if any, flipped House seats in California. Uh, that'll affect the eventual House majority, which looks to be going to the Republicans, but not by much more than the current slim Democratic majority. Uh, we could know soon whether the Democrats retain control of the Senate if they hold on to Nevada. But if that close race ends up swinging to Republican Adam Laxalt, then we will have to wait until a December runoff in Georgia to learn which party wins the Senate. There's a lot to break down about what happened in California last night. And for that, we thought it would be good to bring back yesterday's guest, Sonoma State political science professor David McEwen, to go over what, what we thought would happen, what we talked about yesterday, and what we now think really happened. And David joins <laughs> us live on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline. Thanks for being with us once again. All right, so things ended up being not as gloomy as forecast for the Democrats. And why do you think that was? Well, I think there's a couple of uh, reasons for that, Doug. One is that uh, Republicans underperformed in areas, particularly with those Donald Trump-backed candidates in statewide races. And e even though Biden's, uh, Joe Biden's approval is quite low, Democrats had candidates that received kind of targeted strategic uh, support from uh, Speaker Pelosi and from uh, Democratic leaders. But it's also a mixed bag, too, as you, as you run through. Even in California, uh, Democrats may have flipped a seat down in Congressional District 41. Uh, this is in Southern California, and they may have lost a seat uh, in, in terms of uh, a Central Valley seat in Congressional District 13. So it's a mixed bag here in California. California is always an outlier. Gavin Newsom, obviously a big winner. Proposition 1, a big winner. But most ballot measures, as we all know, go down and fail as well. But if you look kind of writ large across the country, the, the key thing to pay attention to is how large is that majority, if Republicans take over, that Kevin McCarthy gets. If it's less than five or six seats, he's going to be hurting cats like there's no tomorrow and will have a short-lived speakership. If it is something approaching 15 or 20, he still has difficulty. But it's the width or size of that coalition for a new GOP majority, if that ends up happening, that's the key thing to watch because that's going to affect what Joe Biden does, and that obviously affects uh, any business that goes before the Senate as well. You know, Democrats thought they needed a, a huge turnout from young voters, voters of color, and women who broke their way. What do we know so far about the turnout, and did that materialize? Yeah, right. So we did see some uh, strong turnout numbers, uh, if, for example, in Wisconsin, in, in Madison, right, where the University of Wisconsin is at, uh, that, that made that uh, Senate race with Ron Johnson closer for Democrats than they might have thought uh, would be. We saw that also in Milwaukee. We've seen that uh, throughout Pennsylvania, which helped, uh, helped John Fetterman. But if you look even more closely uh, at Pennsylvania, we're already starting to get some exit polling analysis that demonstrated, for example, John Fetterman had a gender gap. Uh, he received 15% uh, more support with by female voters 
than Dr. Oz. But Dr. Oz had a plus 13 by male voters. Uh, and just when we start to kind of slice and dice, we see some of the electorate coming out. We saw a relatively strong support by younger voters in Georgia. But these aren't huge numbers. They're just bigger than ever. But then, look, you look at Miami-Dade County in Florida, right? Uh, Ron DeSantis carries it. Marco Rubio does great there. And also Donald Trump did great in Miami-Dade County with the Cuban-American community in 2020. So Florida's changing, other places on the ground changing. There's a lot actually happening that's setting up 2024 races and that presidential election forthcoming. I want to ask you about Georgia. Have you seen any exit polling there? They're headed to a runoff. Yeah, they are. we have seen some exit polling in Georgia, and it indicates, look, uh, high uh, uh, African-American turnout, but not as high as what we saw in 2018. Some changes on the ground there. Uh, still uh, some outstanding vote in Gwinnett County that's around uh, Atlanta, if you will. We have to pay very close attention to Gwinnett uh, in terms of what's happening. That is a key county in 2020, obviously this election and 2024. So as we look at Georgia and that runoff, uh, our models show that uh, Democrats are advantage on that December 6th runoff. And if we have an equally spread split Senate like we uh, it seems that we might be, uh, Georgia would be the tiebreaker there. That assumes that Nevada goes to Republicans where Laxalt is up by about 18,000 votes. So how big a factor do you think the turnout for Proposition 1 was? I mean, how much do you think support for abortion rights boosted Democratic chances in those toss-up House races here in California? Yeah, great question, because, look, uh, the whole idea was they put Prop 1 on the ballot to, to turn up or get that turnout by key voter subsets, like, for example, suburban independent women, particularly in Southern California. Now, one district that was kind of outside the target uh, that we saw by both parties is that Congressional District 41. This is down in Riverside, represented by Ken Calvert, longtime Republican. He has been down consistently by 10 to 15 points uh, last night when the first ballots came in and today. He's down by 12 points. It looks like Democrats have flipped that seat uh, and that they've won that seat. That we have to kind of dig into because it looks like Prop 1 drove turnout there. A little bit different in Congressional District 13. This is Adam Gray. John Duarte, that race is neck and neck with the Republican Duarte slightly ahead. Adam Gray basically represented that district when he was in the legislature, but there's some other things going on that particular district. So it is a mixed bag, but it seems to play certainly in some districts, like, for example, 41 that I mentioned. Yeah, well, there was a celebration a party for uh, the passage of Proposition 1, just to uh, piggyback on what you've been uh, talking about, and that is uh, Gavin Newsom appearing at that uh, victory party for Prop 1 in a very abbreviated victory speech, but he had victories in other corners, too. Uh, Proposition 30, he campaigned against it, and that lost. Can his popularity and credibility in California translate beyond our borders with, uh, with the voters' apparent listening to his message. Right. So let's kind of back up here, right? He wins 60-40, basically, uh, in 2018. He beats back the recall 60-40, and he basically wins last night 60-40. to He also backs Proposition 1, uh, uh, the abortion and, and reproductive rights measure. It does incredibly well. He runs to D.C. this summer. He invites the national media to follow him around. Does that play throughout or into a higher national profile? In the short term, yes. In the longer term, he's got to have a policy success. And when you're taking on homelessness, housing, these difficult issues in California, if you're on uh, one of the major national conservative uh, networks, you want to play what's happening in California and San Francisco on the streets or L.A. uh, early and often. So I think that there are a number of Republicans who would love to see him uh, enter into the presidential fray. But let's be honest, there's a lot of things that have to fall into orbit for Gavin Newsom to be a player for 2024. In the short term, he's there. But he only has also a short time to have a policy success. 
that's going to challenge him and the legislature. So look for him to do things around special sessions. Look for him to do things to maybe even play in the initiative pool and uh, in the initiative politics where he can advance things around the legislature and build his national profile around issues beyond just abortion rights, like we saw with Proposition 1 or Prop 30 in his opposition there. Right, I will caution on that 41st district down in Palm Springs. Yes, Will Rollins, the Democrat challenger, continues to lead Ken Calvert, Republican incumbent by 12 percent. But they have not counted any new ballots in about 16 hours and only about a third have been counted. So um, or a third of what we would expect. So it is certainly possible that when that's done, that won't be a flip for the Democrats, even though Rollins has led it all along. But we'll wait and see how that plays out. To Sonoma Professor David McEwen, thanks so much for being with us, as always. And you can you hear the State of California every weekday at 3.30 p.m. It's also available on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter, at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBM. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.